want you to turn to Ephesians 3, if you will. I'm going to do something that uh, biblical scholars might call heresy. I'm going to read out of the message translation that Eugene Peterson wrote because I just like the wording. Sometimes, when you, especially when you read the letters that Paul wrote, it's pretty cool to read them as letters rather than scriptures. Sometimes it's easier to understand a letter if it's written in letter form. So I'm going to read this real quickly, but if you'll read with me, if you can click on your Bible app and just put it over to the MSG message translation. It says this, this is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ. And Paul's in jail writing this letter, okay? Having taken up the cause of you outsiders. He labels the group of people outsiders. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan, say God's plan, to include everybody, everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself as I just wrote you in brief. As you read over what I've written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this, only in time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through His holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people, check this out, who have never heard of God and those who have heard of Him all their lives, outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, the same help, the same promises in Christ Jesus. Stop right there, put your finger on the scripture and listen to me for just a second. I want to take a survey if I may. If this embarrasses you, don't participate. That's not what this is about. But just as a, a, an act of, of, of survey, I'm just curious. When we start talking about insiders and outsiders, and I'll lead the way. I am fifth generation, Pentecostal, holy rolling, spit, sweat, snot, run the aisles, jump the pews, speaking in tongues, Pentecostal. Insider, woo, give, give, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, woo. Some of you aren't. Most of you probably aren't. How many of you, by, by show of hand, will say, I've been saved and living for the Lord at least 20 years, 20 years or more? Put your hands down. How many of you will say 10 years or less? Is there anybody that would say, I have just rededicated my life or given my heart to Jesus in the past year? I'm a newbie. I'm new in Christ, okay? Here's what's cool about that. Look at the legacy that my family has left me. Look at fifth generation. I'm talking 100 years. I can trace it all the way back to 1906 so far. That's how far I've been able to go back, okay? We're talking about one year. You know the difference? There is no difference. See, the, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We have equal access we all have the same God with the same promises of God. The promises of God are yes and? So we're all the same in God's economy. Does that make sense? All right, let's keep reading. Same offer, same help, promises of God. This is my life work. This is Paul speaking again. Helping people understand and respond to the message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise with God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way. I was the least qualified of any available Christians. What Paul's saying here is that there's a lot of other people that could do this better than I could. Okay? I got, a tech, I got, I got several texts today, and I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you tonight. I know you're preaching tonight. I'm praying for you tonight. You know why they sent me that? 
Because this is Kevin Wallace's pulpit. You have to look at that and say, he can do this better than I can, right? But God chose me tonight. This is my assignment tonight. And God chose Paul to write this epistle, okay? I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. So here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. Again, the humility of Paul saying, I got no training. I'm not equipped to do this. Anybody ever felt that way? I got no idea why in the world God would choose me to do some of the things that he's done. And the same with you. If you look back on your life and you look at the opportunities and things God's allowed you to do and to be a part of, sometimes you just have to say, that's a miracle. Signs and wonders. God who created all this in the first place. My task is to bring it out in the open and make plain what God who created all this in the first place has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches. Check that out. Followers of Jesus gathered in churches. That's you. The extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Have you ever thought about how we entertain angels? I got to believe that that God has a sense of humor. Don't you think Jesus was funny? I got to think Jesus had to have the incredible sense of humor. To to attract a following like that, you can't be stiff and cold and and all drawn up all the time. You got to get a little bit loose and you got to have a good time. You got to be fun to be around, right? I tell my kids all the time, you know, they'll laugh at me if if something happens. I, I told them in Chattanooga a couple weeks ago, if you cut me off, I lose my sanctification. Out here on Keith Street, if you pull in front of me and slow down, that's why I don't have a sticker on the back of my car. I've told you that before. I'm getting one of these huge snow plows from Wright Brothers. I'm going to put it on the front of my truck. When stupid drivers get in front of me, I'm going to push them off the road. I got some amens on that. But what I'm trying to convey to you is that we're all weak, and we all have hindrances, and we all have things that we got to overcome, but... God can give you the peace and he can give you the patience and he can give you the things that you don't have. All this is planned according to, along with God and executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said. Bold to go wherever we need to go. Don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Paul's saying, don't let the fact that I'm in prison bother you. Okay? He's saying, you need to go wherever you need to go. You need to say whatever you need to say, and you need to be bold and confident in doing so. Fair enough? My response, Paul speaking, is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you. Paul's saying, I ask him to strengthen you. As a pastor, I ask the Lord every day to strengthen and build the family of God that he has given us. Our mission statement is we aspire to be the most loving church in the world. But as we pray for you, we pray that you would love each other, but that you would be blessed, that you would be successful, that you would be protected. Amen. In Atlanta, Georgia today, be protected. I ask him to strengthen you by the Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, say love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. 
plumb the depths, rise to the heights. I love this. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Anybody ever heard the saying, fullness of joy? Anybody ever heard about the abundant life? That's all available to you one year in or 50 none of your business years in. It's available to all of us. We all have the same rite of passage by simply praying the sinner's prayer, submitting our lives to Jesus Christ. So God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. There are no limitations but those that we place on ourselves. He does this not by pushing us around but by working with us. We're a work in progress. We're in the development process. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory down through all generations. Glory through all millennial. Oh yes, glory to God. Well, what does this mean? Again, this is a letter. It's encouraging. And I'll put it this way. Have you ever felt like maybe you were left out? Maybe you were on the outside looking in. You, you weren't one of the popular kids in school or you didn't get to run with the cool kids. Or, or maybe you're a little bit left out on your job. You don't quite fit in. Maybe you're a little insecure with what's taking place in your life or you know, someone has hurt you or let you down. Therefore, you're afraid to engage. I think of it from being on the inside, having the inside track to things and feeling like you're just a total isolated outsider. Does that make sense to anybody? What I'm telling you today is that those situations and circumstances are earthly and they really don't matter. You have an inside track and a relationship with Jesus Christ that says you are an insider. You have the same accessibility as Billy Graham. You ought to shout right there. Amen? And when I think about this, I, I, I have an analytical mind and Ryan will tell you, or Mason, or any, any of the, the team will tell you, I've, I always ask questions. I'm always asking questions. I'm always thinking. I, I live on search engines trying to figure things out and seeing what other people say. And I'll, I'll watch all the different news channels because they tell the same story and tell it all different ways. And I, I just like to think how people think, you know. How did you get that out of that story? And they got this out of that same story about that same person. doesn't make sense to me. Outsiders and insiders, Right. So this is the way this thing works. I heard a story that <clears throat> a father went to his son and said, Son, would you trust me enough to marry the girl that I tell you to marry? And the son said, No. He said, Well, it's Bill Gates' daughter. The son said, Okay. Then the father calls Bill Gates and says, Hey, he says, I want your daughter to marry my son. Bill Gates said, No. I don't know you. He said, well, you know, my son is the president of World Bank. He controls over 50% of the currency of the world. Bill Gates said, hmm, okay. So then he calls the founder of World Bank and says, hey, I need you to hire my son to be your president and CEO. He says, I would never do that. He said, well, my, my son is married to Bill, Bill Gates' daughter. Inside track. That's how this thing works. It's not... What you know, it's guess who we know. What else matters? We don't have to know anybody in this town. We don't have to know the politicians. We don't have to know who the executive CEO is of our company. Our faith is in Christ alone. That's where we put it, right? Let's talk about this, this, this chapter that we just read. And let me give you a little background. So 
Ephesians 1 talks about how we're adopted, we're chosen, we're favored, we're blessed. Paul starts out writing to the church of Ephesus saying, you're a chosen generation. You're adopted by Jesus Christ. You are his choice. We've talked a little bit about that already. It talks about in chapter 1 the pleasure that he took planning your specific part of his plan. Think about that. He took pleasure. God took pleasure in a a specific design of who you are. That's why when I look at the imperfections that we all have, that's how he created us. We've all got little quirks. My wife and I teach a, a marriage class called Qualities and Quirks. It's all about whichever one you focus on. We've all got quirks, but we've all got qualities. Which one are you looking for? There are a lot of imperfections. God took great joy in planning out exactly what your purpose is in life. And it's incumbent upon you to figure out what that purpose is. Chapter 2. He talks about how he wants you to join him in the work that he is doing on the earth. Watch that. He wants you to join him in the work that he's presently doing to prepare for the work that is to be done in the future. How many of you were at our first interest meeting in this building back when this thing wasn't even finished? Anybody? Back in July? Do you remember that? Back in July, this was a dust bowl. None of this was in here. The rafters were still exposed. It was dirty. We set up a fake stage with a speaker and a microphone and had chairs with plastic on them, and it was just a total mess. Remember that night? I told you that night. I felt like the Lord said about this church. The mission statement is aspiring to be the most loving church in the world, but I felt like what he told us specifically that night was that he wants us to do his work, do it in his way to achieve and accomplish his will. That's your part of his plan, to do his work, Not your way, but his way, so that we can achieve and accomplish whatever his will is for RTT in Cleveland. So chapter 2 tells us that once we were out of it, until we got saved, he got saved at 12, I got saved at 9. Before we were in Christ, we were outside of Christ. Once we're in Christ, we have the equal access that I talked about earlier. So Paul's making it clear, I'm in jail because of you, outsiders. We've got the opportunity now. To be insiders. All of you have the opportunity to be insiders now. Verses 4 through 6. It talks about how outsiders who had never heard of him. And insiders who have heard of him all of his life. I ask you which one are you? We all stand on the same ground with the same promises. I was telling you earlier. You know. There are a lot of different positions in the church. A lot of different titles in the church. And. I don't like titles. I, I, I really don't. I, I think sometimes they're necessary for clarification, but if you come ask me who I am, I'm going to tell you I'm Richie. Well, what's your title? I'm, I'm just plain old Rich. And if you push me real hard, I'm going to tell you, okay, if you really want to know, I'm the water boy. <clears throat> what does that mean? I'm not, not Adam Sandler. Some of y'all thinking about that movie, the water boy. I don't like titles. I, don't, I got a big title. It doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. A water boy. I want to get my staff and you, those of you that attend this church, the family of God, the resources that you need to go out and do His work, His way, so that this church can accomplish His will. Does that make sense? So the water boy, that's the title. But I'll tell you this, with five generations, my family's had every title. They've been ushers and greeters. They've been pastors and apostles. They've been prophets and teachers. 
They've been everything you possibly can imagine. Some of them follow the Beatitudes. Some of them have bad attitudes. But they've had every title and then everything in between. And all of those are important. I want you to understand. The parking lot crew here is important. The people changing the dirty diapers in the kids' area, they're important. They matter. You matter. Whatever it is that you do here, you matter. And if you haven't fulfilled your purpose and aren't serving here yet, please get involved. We want you to get involved and serve and utilize your gifts and fulfill your purpose. So verses 7 through 8, he talks about how unqualified he is, how totally God-equipped he is, how he had no natural ability. Think of other examples of this. David, his dad wouldn't even offer or acknowledge him when they came around and said, we need some help. He said, hey, take any of these guys over here, but leave the shepherd boy alone. But it was David who killed Goliath. Think about Gideon. The Bible says God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. You know what Gideon told God? He said, I'm from the weakest tribe in Manasseh. And of everybody in the tribe of Manasseh, by the way, which is the weakest, I'm the weakest of the weak. One translation said, he told God, he, he said, I'm the runt of the litter. A mighty man of valor, God called him. No, because again, he didn't need the approval of man. He just needed the approval of God. Think about Moses. Moses, outside of Christ, stuttered. Moses was insecure. I heard one preacher call him the wimpy prophet. Told God no five times. Can't do it, God. I, 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 have, no, I have no power. I have no influence. I st 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 stutter. I can't do it, God. I find somebody else. God said, nope, you're the chosen one. You're the one I want to do this. I think about Peter. If, if Jesus... If I'm running around with Jesus and Jesus told me I was going to deny him three times and then I got the opportunity to deny him, I would think, man, he told me this was going to happen. I'm not falling for that. That sucker failed three times. But it was Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost. Think about John. John was a wild man. He was crazy. He was eating bugs before eating bugs was cool. But John, John was Jesus, John the beloved. He was, he was loved by Jesus. Think about it from this perspective. What about Ruth? Think about Esther. Esther saved a whole generation of the Jewish people just with one act of obedience. One night with the king, Esther saved a whole generation of the Jewish people. Mary, how do you get pregnant in your teenage years as a virgin and tell everybody, I, I don't know how it happened. God did it. Obedience, faith, trust. Rahab. The harlot, the prostitute, she's in the Hall of Fame because she changed her life and became obedient to Jesus Christ. So here's what I'd say to you. None of these stand out with outstanding credentials. God takes the ordinary and does the extraordinary. So you may feel ordinary tonight. You may feel average. You may feel below average. You may be insecure with your gifts and talents. But God's got big plans for you. He wants you and he needs you on his team. He's, he's got a certain position with a certain talent that he wants to use that only you possess. He wants you on his team. I think about Paul. We're, we're talking about all these people that have done great things. And you think about Paul. And Paul, you know, according to scholars, wrote about half of the New Testament. Wrote most of the, he wrote more of the New Testament than anybody. So when I picture Paul... As I'm growing up learning about Paul, thinking Paul was a, he was the dude. He was a bad dude. He was amazing. 
And I think about Paul had to look something like this picture right here. That's how I see Paul. That's, that, that's Paul. I mean, it's got to be, right? This guy wrote half of the New Testament. He walked with Jesus. He, 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 that's Paul right there to me. But the fact of the matter is, most likely, Paul looked more like That's what the scholars tell us. They say he was about five foot two, bald-headed, bent over, slumped over, had a squeaky voice that was annoying to hear. But we're preaching about Paul 2,000 years later. What will they say about you 2,000 years from now if the Lord tarries, which he probably won't? What will your legacy be? How have you served the king? What have you done for the kingdom? What will we be talking about when your time is up and you expire and you leave the earth? It says to me that we all have a call. It says to me that you have a calling. I have a calling. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. God wants all of us on his team. The scripture says that God can do anything. That all things are possible to whom? Say it. All things are possible. To those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Again, we have no limitations. Our only limitations is our lack of faith and belief. Scripture tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Very simple requirements. Those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So Paul's writing and preaching about things way over his head. Humbleness, humility. And then Paul says this in Philippians 1. Later he says... For me to live is Christ, and to die is, we have a no-lose situation. Think about it from that perspective. Here's what Paul's saying. As long as I'm living, I get to tell people about Jesus. I can win people to Jesus. I, I can change and impact people's lives. As, as long as I'm on this earth, I got this calling and I got this purpose. And it gets me up every morning and revs me up and gets me on my job and gets me where I need to be. And even when I'm in jail, I'm telling the jailers about Jesus and they're getting saved. But if I die, I get to go be with him again and see him face to face. We're in a no-lose situation. For us to live is Christ and to die is gain. Eternal salvation. A life lived with him in heaven. I think about the contrast to today's scholars. And I think about how scholars look down on those of us that might not be educated the same way. Okay? I got a degree. I got a, I got a master's degree. But it's not in theology. So sometimes I'll get in a room with preachers and we're talking about the Bible. And, oh, well, you... You're a teacher. You, 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 you got an education degree. <laughs> you got a master's degree in education. I have a doctorate of divinity. I am a master of the master. I have a bachelor's in the Bible. And I'm like, <laughs> you're missing the whole point of the thing. You talk down to us. You're talking about deconstructing our faith and that the Bible has errors in it. You've over-academicized. That's not even a word. You've made this thing too hard. 
To me, the Bible is the infallible and inspired word of God. I'm not going to argue with you if there's an error that a man made in the Bible. I'm going to take it for what it's worth. I know what he's done for me. And I really don't need your approval, doctorate of divinity. So don't ever be intimidated. When God puts you in a room, God made room for you to be in that room. Wherever he places you, celebrate it. Thank God for it. So if we all have a call, how do we go about answering that call? How do we answer that call? I hate to do this because my staff tells me all the time, you know, Pastor Richie, you, you really use a lot of sports analogies, and I do. I'm sorry. I'm an old, I'm an old coach. That's just what I've done for a good part of my life. And I know we've got some athletes in here. Landon's in here with his Kentucky baseball shirt on. He signed a baseball scholarship to Kentucky. I'm so proud of him. Y'all tell Landon you love him. <laughs> to answer the call. <laughs> is that you, Arthel? Who is that? Bring it up here. I want to answer it. Let's put him on speakerphone. You believe in coincidences or is that God? <laughs> To answer the call, you got to want the ball. You got to want to take the, take your best shot. You got to go after things with no fear. You can't go into things with fear. You got to be bold and confident that God's got your back. That you will not fail. I love that song Oceans where it says my feet won't fail. I love the fact that God challenges us to answer the call. And here's here's the good news. When you're an insider, it's not what you know again, it's who you know. You know the king, you know the creator, you know the one that, that created this whole place, created each one of us with intelligent design. To answer the call, you want to got you gotta take the ball. You gotta take it and you gotta run with it and you gotta do everything that you can. And here's here's what's great about it. When you take your best shot, you will make it. When you take your best shot and give your best shot to God. He's going to take your back and he's going to support you and he's going to walk you through whatever you're going on. I love this right here. Paul's response says this. Get down on my knees. There's an importance in prayer that speaks to the proximity and posture in prayer. Lacey spoke about it earlier. She said something about posture in prayer, proximity in prayer. There are places that you can go. This is one of them. This is probably the one. That I just feel the Holy Ghost. I walk in this room on Tuesdays and I feel the Holy Ghost. I walk in here on Wednesday night, I feel the Holy Ghost. I come in here on Sunday morning, I'm out in the lobby welcoming everybody to church. I'm, I'm, my God, I feel him. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. It's raining again. Woo. Woo. Thank you, Lord. I just feel him. Prayer closets in your house. Proximity of getting on your knees in submission to Jesus and saying, I can't, but you can. Paul's telling us in verse 14 through 19 about the importance of the proximity, the places that you pray, how important prayer is. And let me just say this, the importance of your legacy of leaving prayer to your children. My kids will tell you there's not a night that goes by since they've been born. When they lived in my house, I would go lay hands on them and I would pray for them audibly every night. 
now that one lives in Atlanta and one lives over here on the other side of town, I text them every night a prayer. And every night they have to confirm that they received it. And every night I'm going to pray for them because I want them to know the power of prayer. When I talked to my baby girl today, I said, are you going to take that job? She said, Dad, I'm going to go on a seven-day fast. She said, I know we're starting our fast corporately as a church on Sunday, but I'm just going to go ahead and start today. I got to fast, Dad. I got to hear from God if this is His will or not. That legacy that you leave to your family as a man or woman of God that says prayer is important. Prayer is a priority to me. Praise always comes first. We thank God. That's why we do worship before we do the word. Praise always comes first. Always thanking God. Getting on our knees. Getting on our knees is simply an act of submission. It's just saying I submit to you. I surrender all to you. That's all we're doing. It's prayer that turns our burdens into blessings. And when I think about fear, I think about something that, you know, what, what creates fear? What, what causes us? Why, why would we be hesitant? Why would we be hesitant? Because the reality of it is people don't like change. See, comfort creates complacency. Too many times we get comfortable. And when we get comfortable, we get complacent. We get comfortable, we get a little lazy. We, we get a little sloppy. We, we don't want change. Therefore, we don't ever venture out and go for all that God's got us. And, and when, we, when we do that, you have to understand that when you have that fear of change, you have to understand how to submit to that fear of change. The, I call it the apprehension of transition. The apprehension of transition is only quenched by submission. When you fear change, when you fear anything in your life, you submit to God, you pray and you fast, and you ask God to lead, guide, and direct. And I've heard people say it this way. Well, but, but what, you know, Rich, what, but I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss God. You know what I tell them? You're not going to miss God. The only way you're going to miss God is if you don't seek God. If you seek God and ask God to open and close doors, most of you know how to pray this way. God, open it so wide that I can't miss it. Or close it so tight that I can't kick it down. You won't miss God. There's a scripture, and I can't remember where it is right now, but it says this. It says, make the path wide. We all know that narrow is the way to heaven, right? But make the path wide for the direction of God. Make the path wide and make our steps sure. When we pray and we seek God diligently, we're not going to miss God. We only miss God when we get involved. And we start rationalizing with God. And we start strategizing on, well, this job might pay me a little bit more. Maybe I need to go over here and do this for a little while. Or am I in the call of God where I am? Or maybe it is that you need to go over here. But if you seek God and you do what God wants you to do and you're chasing His purpose, chasing your calling, you're not going to miss God. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so when we pray... We get on our knees. And surface prayers, you know, I think about surface prayers. I think about things that really aren't important. I've told you before, there are so many things that we pray for that we control ourselves. You know, you just got to make a start. You got to start somewhere. You got to start here and go anywhere. That's the title of my book. Free promotion there. You got to make a start. 
How do you do that? Well, I mean, here's the reality. Everybody wants to be thin, but nobody wants to diet. Everybody wants to make more money, but they don't want to work more hours. You got to make a start. The things we ask God for, most of which we can do ourselves. So what I would challenge you with tonight is let's stop worrying about praying for runny noses and allergies. I got one right now. You can hear it in my voice. I'm not going to bother God with that. There's a thing called Dayquil. Tylenol cold. I can take care of that myself. You know what I ask God for? God, give us more campuses. Let us expand this church. Give us more airtime on television. Lord, send us more people. Lord, on a Wednesday night, it's, it's my dream that every seat would be full. On Sunday mornings that we have to have two and three and four and five services. And I'm not giving up until exit 20, 25, and 27. I'll have signs out there that said, this exit RTTM. Stand with me. Dream no small dreams. Dream no small dreams. I know it's early. Sometimes we need to get out early. Is that okay? Sometimes we need to get in the altars and pray. Sometimes we need to release fear. Sometimes we need to go for it. Sometimes we need to say, I, I, I'm going to get on my knees tonight, and I'm going to fully submit to God's plan and purpose for my life, and we're going to make this thing go starting tonight. I'm going to make a start tonight. Tonight, I'm going to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has specifically designed with me in mind. And I'm going for it. Now, we'll never close the service here without giving you an opportunity to make things right with God. But if you're here on a Wednesday night, I would say 99% of you already are saved and serving Jesus. Not perfect. Not perfect. Snowplow on the car. Not perfect. Pray for me. If I cut you off and blow the horn at me, pray for, pray for me. But tonight might be your night to say... I want to do better. I want to live all that God's got for me. I want that fullness of joy. I want that life abundance. As you close your eyes, let's just give a salvation call and a rededication call. Richie, I'm here tonight, and I love Jesus, but I've strayed away a little bit. I need to rededicate my life, or maybe I've never gotten saved before. I don't even know why I'm here. Somebody invited me, but tonight I want to make things right with Jesus Christ because I want to go to heaven. And I want that life eternal. I want that life abundant. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, I need to make things right? I need to make things right with Jesus tonight. Praise the Lord. We're all, we're all heaven bound. Look at me. For the rest of us, God's specific plan. You'll say tonight, I want to do His work. I want to do it His way. And I want to achieve and accomplish His will in my life in this church, in this community, in this town, on those, on the, those that are online. If that's you, I want you to just come down and let us have a time and moment in prayer as Lacey and the team sings. If that's you, I want you to come down and let us pray for you. Will you come? Will you come if you say, I'm going to do His work, I'm going to do His, work, I'm going to do His way, and I want to achieve and accomplish His will. Will you come pray with us?